Glory to God. You know, we've been talking about, started on last week, unpacking the book of Jude, talking about getting ready for a fight. Uh, and certainly we have to prepare ourselves to fight spiritual warfare. The God that we serve has never lost a battle. Undefeated. I said he's never lost a battle. Come on. When, when the Bible says greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, then that should give you the confident assurance that no matter what you're going through, no matter what's happening in your life, no matter what it feels like, no matter what the devil tells you and everybody else tells you, you need to know that you are a winner. You are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus who loves you. And when we stick with God, we win. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for this divine opportunity you've given us to come together tonight, to this morning, to share your gospel truths. Lord, we need a rhema word from you. This can't be me, God, but it's got to be you. I remove myself out of the way. And please use my vocal cords, use my mind to articulate your gospel truths on this glorious Sunday morning. We love you now. We praise you. We ready to receive a rhema word. In Jesus' name, all God said, say it, amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand of praise. Come on, the Bible says, oh, clap your hands, all you people. Shout with the voice of triumph. And we thank God that he's never lost a battle, and he never will. Amen. And we're on God's side, so that means that we, we win because he is in the position of victory at all times. God bless you guys. So good to see all y'all here in the house of worship this morning. Thank God for those who are, who are visiting with us via live stream. I am so glad to be in the service one more time. Amen? Because God is good, and there are many people who wish they had the opportunity to gather uh, for corporate worship like we guys are doing now. There are many in jails and uh, hospitals and nursing homes that cannot gather. But you are here, and so we thank God for you. You're here via, via live stream, so thank God for each one of you, okay? If you have your Bibles, guys, let's go back to the book of Jude. We're talking about getting ready to fight. Now, again, when I say that, I'm not talking about physical fighting. I know some of y'all were a fighter, and you fought all your life. But we're talking about fighting spiritually because there is a demonic attack on the integrity of God's word. And guys, it just didn't start in the year 2020, 2021. This has been a strategy of the enemy since the Garden of Eden. He wants to discredit the gospel truth and, dis and get us confused about what we should stand on. But I'm here to tell you today, we've been called to fight, amen, to fight for truth, amen? So we're going to begin to look at the book of Jude. And before I get there, I, one of the things I was... Last night I got a chance to uh, sit up where I watched the last half of the, the NBA uh, uh, championship finals. How many of y'all have been watching that? Now, I'm not, you know, I don't watch the NBA during the regular season because, you know, normally there's too many games and they're not giving maximum effort. And it just, to me, it's not good basketball in the, in the regular season. But during the playoffs, when it's, when it's do or die, uh, you get a chance to see some good basketball and strategy. And I've watched the first two games. Uh, and the Phoenix Suns were just running roughshod over the Milwaukee Bucks. And at that time, I, when I observed it, I said, you know what? This is going to be a real short series because uh, uh, Phoenix is playing lights out. 
and they were, they were just dominating. But they went back to Milwaukee. And when they went back to Milwaukee, Milwaukee won two. They changed their strategy a little bit. They began to make the adjustments that you see in the seven-game series. Because sometimes you think you're ahead, you're winning, and, and the other side makes an adjustment. And I want to tell you this, that you know, whenever we're in this spiritual battle that we're in, sometimes it's just like everything is going well, like we're moving down the highway, everything's going well, and all of a sudden the enemy adjusts his strategy to come and try to attack you, to throw you off course. So, so you got to be ready to go the full seven games. You got to be prepared to fight. You got to be prepared to adjust your strategy to be able to come out to the enemy with all, uh, all barrels loaded and ready to fight. Amen. So let's go to the book of Jude right quick. We're going to start at verse number one. We know from our study that Jude is the half brother of Jesus, right? Is that correct? Y'all remember that? So it's on your outline, okay? He's the, he's the, he's the half-brother of Jesus because Jesus' dad was who? God. God the Father, right? The Heavenly Father, God the Father. And so we have here, Jude is our author, and he's writing here, and we're going to see that his, his initial thought was to write about the common salvation, all right? And to begin to share with them about what it means to be in Christ Jesus and so forth and so on. But the Holy Spirit called an audible, Y'all know what the audible is, right? How many of y'all watch football? Come on. I'll, I'll, see, we, we're about, uh, we're about a month and a half away from the start of football season. All you Cowboy fans, all you Saints fans, I know y'all getting ready. Uh, you, all you Tampa Bay Buccaneers fans, y'all probably getting ready. The few that are in here. And, and if you ever watch the football game, the quarterback, when he comes to the line of scrimmage, uh, there are oftentimes when the play is called, but because of what defense is being ran by the opposition, you have to call an audible because that play won't work. Let's say, for instance, if, if in, I'm going into some technical details here now, okay? Y'all got to excuse me because I, sometimes I get excited when I start talking about it. So if you're going to run a, a hitch pass to that wide receiver, he goes out there and just take two steps back, and you're going to throw it to him and, and try to get him up the field real quickly – you, that's good, but you can't do that if the, if the team is in, has a cover two call where they have a rolled up corner. You know what a rolled up corner is, Danny? I know Danny Thomas knows. That rolled up corner is there, and his assignment is to stop anything that's short. He don't have to worry about anybody going behind him, so he just stands right there. So if he stands right there and you pick up as a quarterback and don't call an audible and throw the ball, guess what's going to happen? It's going to be an interception and going back the other way. Sometimes in life, guys, we have to call audibles. And here, as Jude was preparing to write about the common salvation, God says, I'm calling the audible. Because there's some stuff going on in my church that I need to be addressed. Yes, Lord. And see, every writer of, in this book, Old and New Testament, wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit called an audible. So watch what happens. This letter is from Jude, a slave of Jesus Christ and the brother of James. I am writing to all who have been called by God the Father, who loves you and keeps you safe in the care of Jesus Christ. Watch this, verse 2. May God give you more and more mercy, peace, and love. How many of y'all need some more mercy? How many of y'all need some more peace? Oh, yes, some of y'all need some peace. Some of y'all trouble in the home, trouble on the job, trouble in the church. You trouble everywhere, amen? You need some peace. Mercy, peace, and what? Love, he said. Look at this verse. He says, dear friends, I had been eagerly planning to write to you about the salvation we all share. But now I find that I must write about something else, 
urging you to defend the faith that God has entrusted once for all time to his holy people. The KJV, the KJV says that you earnestly contend for the faith. That means you got to be ready to fight for truth. Fight for gospel truth. There's a lot of stuff that's out there. A lot of stuff in the social media sphere. A lot of stuff that's, that's, that's on the radio. A lot of stuff that's on television that's not gospel truth. And the culture has tried to infiltrate the church and to be, disrupt the truth of God's word. So we got to be ready to fight for truth. Notice what it says here. But now I find that I must write about something else, urging you to defend the faith that God has entrusted once for all time to his holy people. Verse 4 and 5 says what? I say this because some ungodly people have wormed their way into your churches saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. The condemnation of such people was recorded long ago for they have denied our only master and Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen. So talking about getting ready to fight, we're going to unpack the book of Jude. Now, last week, we, we shared some things which you have in your outline. We won't go back through all of that. But the key verse in here is that verse 3. And I, want you to, I, I, I do not want you to, to, to let this sink out of your, your, your consciousness. I want, to have, I want you to have this verse, as they used to say in, in, in the corporate world, front of mind. This needs to be front of mind. Verse 3 of Jude needs to be front of mind. We got to have it on our brain. Y'all ever had somebody on your brain? And you couldn't get them off. <laughs> Sister Henry, can I come to this side over here? Sister Henry, you ever had somebody on your mind? <laughs> Tell it like it is, Sister Henry. All right. Listen, when somebody's on your mind and you can't get them off, and we say that's front of mind, and in some, in some circles, as you say, they've blown your mind. Too busy thinking about my baby. And I ain't got time for nothing else. Y'all remember that song? All right. See, see, God, God wants us to be too busy thinking about him that we don't have time for any foolishness. See, we got to have our minds focused in on him. Are y'all with me today? We got to have our minds focused on him. We need to have him front of mind. Have him at the point to where whatever we do in life, brother O, whatever we do in life, Sister Lou, whatever we do in life, brother Eric, we run it through the prism of his word because he should have the preeminent place in our life. Amen? So we need, this, this verse needs to be front of mind. Can we read it out loud and on purpose together? Let's read it again. It says, what? Dear friends, I had been eagerly planning to write to you about the salvation we all share, but now... I find that I must write about something else, urging you to defend the faith that God has entrusted once for all time to his holy people. Now, think about it, to defend the faith. That's the key verse that we want to focus in on because all of us who are born again believers have been called upon to defend the faith. Now, we're going to skip back down to... Uh, to, to verse 4 and we're going to pick up here because I told you that the enemy the enemy had infiltrated the church and guys this is, this is what, what's happening here in this church I think is happening across this country today there are people who are on assignment from the enemy 
to disrupt gospel truth. And it sounds like some of the stuff they say, it sounds good, but it's not biblical. And, and what we got to make sure that we understand is that whatever we do as a ministry and whatever you do in your life, we got to let the word of God be the directive and the guide for whatever we do. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. Let the word of God illuminate your path. Now, if you look at your outline, we talked about the enemy. He said the enemy, those who, who crept into the church, they were, they were, first of all, they were ungodly. Everybody say ungodly. While, while these men claim to belong to God, they were in fact ungodly in their thinking and in their living. Everybody say thinking and living. Here's what I discovered in life. If your thinking is bad, your living is going to be bad. Did y'all hear me? If your thinking is bad, then your living is going to be bad. As a matter of fact, we found out, and y'all know one of my favorite passages of scripture to quote is from Romans, the 12th chapter, where it talks about the fact, and I'm just paraphrasing. He says, as Paul wrote to the saints at Rome, he says, let God change your behavior by changing the way you think. Behavior does not change until your thinking changes. Are y'all listening to me today? And that's why, guys, you, you, if you think about this for a second, now, and all of us, not all of us, a lot of us in here have challenges with trying to lose weight like I have. Okay. Are y'all still with me? Did I lose half the audience just then? Uh, a lot of us have had challenges uh, with losing weight. And, and, and here's what we will do. We'll look for a shortcut. Hello? We'll look for a, a, a crash diet or something that's going to make us lose weight rapidly because many of us don't want to change our thinking and our way of doing life. We don't want to change our eating habits. So we said, let me find a quick, easy way to get it off. And what ends up happening because you didn't change your thinking, your way of approaching food and healthiness after a period of time. You know, you, everybody can do stuff for a little while, but if it, if it hadn't changed internally, ultimately you'll go back to your old way of doing things. Can I get two people who say, Pastor, I've been there? Can I get five people to raise their hand and say, I ain't ashamed to tell you I've been there? Okay, I, I, I've been there with you, okay? I've been there with you. But what we got to realize is that, that, that something has to take place on the inside because true transformation is an inside-out job, not an outside-in. See, I can, I can, I can, I can get, you know, buy some whatever, uh, certain types of food or whatever, and, and I, can, I can get surgery done or whatever, uh, whatever, whatever happens. But if I don't fix the internal, then ultimately what's been affecting the external will come right back. So God says, I want to change your behavior, not by giving you these five things you got to do every week, not telling you got to be at the church every morning at 6 a.m. and pray, which would be good if you did. But that's an outward expression. It should be an outward expression of what's going on on the inside. What do we learn through emotionally healthy relationship that that we we, we discovered that our our doing for God needs to flow flow out of our time being with God. Are y'all with me? So whatever I'm doing for God should not be just an external thing. It should flow out of my time with him. Can I get a witness today? So, so they were ungodly. They, the, the, these, these men that had claimed to belong to God and 
And they were, in fact, ungodly in their thinking and in their living. And they, 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 they had a form of godliness, but as, as, as Paul said in, in Timothy, but they, 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 they lacked the force of godliness that lives in the true Christian life. They had a form of godliness, but they denied the power thereof. Yeah, yeah. They looked religious. They looked like a good Baptist. They were a good Methodist. They made all the meetings. They made all the, the Bible studies. They were in Sunday school, but their life had not transformed because there was not an inward transformation. So number one, they were ungodly. Number two, they were deceitful. On top of being ungodly, they were deceitful. They crept in unawares, the KJV says. The Greek word uh, of means for that unawares means to slip in secretly to come in undercover. Are y'all with me today? Sometimes Satan's undercover agents are brought in secretly by those already inside the church. Don't, there should be a song that you're saying, it said, don't let the devil ride. Don't let the devil ride. And it's because if you let him ride, he's going to what? He's going to want to drive. Don't let the devil ride. In other words, don't put him in a place where he's in your life and, and you think he, he's going to sit in the back seat and just ride and watch you drive. That's not going to happen. Because if you give the devil an inch, if you give the enemy, if you give Beelzebub an inch, he's going to take a mile. He's going to want to take over. And so these guys crept in unawares, and they and sometimes they, they, they came with people who were in the church that brought them. But, but many times, these men right here, particularly in Jude, they came in on their own. And Peter warned, Peter, uh, in Second Peter 2, had already warned that these men were coming, and now they had arrived on the scene. Guys, I'm going to tell you something. They were deceitful, and we have deceitful people in the church today. Everybody that looks like they're a Christian, and everybody that looks like they're doing God's will is not really doing God's will. See, what I want to know is, why are you doing what you're doing? What's your motivation for doing what you're doing? Motive is intrinsically important to God. Because you can do a good thing for the wrong reason and wrong motive and still don't get blessed. You can do a good thing and do it for the wrong reason and you still won't get rewards when you get to heaven. When you get to the beam of justice of Christ, okay? So they were ungodly. They were deceitful. They were the enemies of God's grace, the Bible tells us. Why did they enter the churches, guys? They, they entered the church to attempt to change the doctrine and turn the grace of our God into what the KJV calls lasciviousness. Can y'all repeat that? Let me say, say lasciviousness. It's a fancy word, but guys, lasciviousness means immorality, extreme immorality. That word, that means... Can I put it this way? Lasciviously mean wilding out. Y'all ever heard the term wilding out? I, I need some, some, somebody who's been, who been, who been in the streets. You know what wilding out means? That means just doing any kind of crazy, immoral stuff. Wilding out. It, 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 it also meant, uh, lasciviousness meant wilding out. It meant, it meant a, a being immoral, absence of moral uh, restraint, uh, indecency. A person who is lascivious thinks only of satisfying his lust. And whatever he touches is stained by those base appetites that he has. Amen. Lasciviousness is one of the works of the flesh that mentioned in Galatians 5 in verse number 19. Okay. That proceeds from the evil heart of mind. Go, go, heart of man. Go to Mark 7, chapter verse number 21 through 22. I've told y'all before, Mark 7 
verse 21 through 22. I've told you before, quit telling people to follow their heart. Look at me. Okay? I know you, bless you, baby, just follow your heart. Don't you follow your heart? Did y'all hear me? How many of y'all ever been guilty of telling, baby, just follow your heart? Just follow your heart. Let's see what Jesus says. For from within, out of a person's heart comes what? Evil thoughts, sexual immorality. Sexual immorality didn't start when you got in the bed. It was there in the heart. Can y'all with me? It says, for from within, out of a person's heart come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, watch this, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and what? Foolishness comes out of what? The heart. So quit telling folks to follow their heart because out of their heart is some evil stuff in there. Is that what Jesus said, right? So we got to make sure we follow the word and follow the Holy Spirit and not follow our hearts because our hearts can be most deceitful. And we, we want to make sure that we're not out there doing stuff because I felt like that's what I need to do. Now, I don't want to know that you felt like that's what you need to do. I want to know what did the Holy Spirit tell you to do? Can you follow his leading? That's what we're after. So, so they, were, they were ungodly. They were deceitful. They were the enemies of God's grace because they, they, they crept in. And what they, what the, here, here's what they really told me. They said, well, no, since you're saved, and remember we, we said these folks who were, who were in here messing this church up were what we call Gnostics. They followed Gnosticism. And those Gnostics believed that the flesh was, was evil, it was no good, it had no, no bearing on salvation. So since, it had, since the flesh had no bearing on salvation, you can do whatever you want to do with your flesh and still be okay with God. Yeah. How many of you know that is a lie from the pits of hell? What you do with your flesh, what you do with your body, help me, Holy Ghost, what you do with your body has impact on how you're going to be living spiritually. So they crept in and began to teach this to the point to where they, they were saying, you can do whatever you want to do and you're okay with God. How many of y'all we have people in our churches right now who you can preach the word to them and they think that's not for me? Or if you share something, that, a sin that they're involved in, they think you're picking on them. But guys, let me tell you something. As your pastor, I'm going to speak truth to you because I know that truth, but when you know it and apply it, it will make you free. Are y'all with me today? So, so we got to make sure, guys, that we are following truth. Well, these guys that crept into the church and began to teach that it's okay to do whatever you want to do. You can shack. Y'all know what shack means? That's an old Benton term, country term, which means you just live together. You cohabitate and there's no covenant commitment. Now, listen, I, said, I shared it before, guys. We've had people that I've, that I've dealt with who are members of the church who were cohabitating, but we had a conversation and we understood what was actually God's will for the situation. And, and we gave them a time period where we coached them through and they eventually moved from cohabitating to, to operating in covenant relationship. Are y'all with them? Didn't throw them out of the church, but we had to minister them where they were. But we had an obligation to say, hey, listen, that's not God's will. I love you, and I'm going to keep on loving you, but we can't stay here. We can't stay there. 
Because it's a poor testimony to those who are outside of the church and those who are inside of the church. Are y'all tracking with me today? So we got to make sure that, that, that we love people through their stuff. And here's what I got to get you to understand. Just because I teach you truth don't mean I don't love you. Because I share with you what the word of God says about a certain lifestyle issue don't mean that I don't love you. I don't know where that came from. The Bible tells us to speak the truth, what? In love. So we have an obligation as born again believers to do just that. So these guys here, they were, they were the enemies of God's grace. They were teaching them that you can live any way you want to live and be okay with God. And that's not accurate. They denied God's truth. Jude here was affirming strongly that the deity of Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ is God. We saw it on last week. He is the word. The word was with God. The word was God. The word became flesh and dwelt among men. We also discovered that great is the mystery of God. It's how God was manifested in human flesh. So Jesus was fully God and yet fully man. So the enemy was ungodly. They were deceitful. They were the enemies of God's grace, teaching that you can live any way you want to live and be okay with God. No, that's not accurate, guys. They denied God's truth. So we got to make sure, and they were they were ordained to judgment, which is where we kind of left off of him last week. They were ordained to judgment. Jew lets us know that these men became apostates. And I told you uh, on, on last week that apostates uh, were, well, an apostate is when a person turns away from God's truth and embraces false teaching. And guys, in the church today, we got to make sure that we understand what God's truth is, properly exegeted, properly contextually applied scripture. Don't put, take a scripture out of context without any idea who's writing it, who's he writing to, what was the surrounding scenario he's dealing with, and how does that fit with the other parts of scripture. I can't stand it when somebody will pluck a scripture in isolation and build a doctrine on it. Off of one scripture taken out of context and thank you preaching Bible. Listen, we got to make sure that we are solidly grounded in the word of God. And what that means is, guys, we got to spend some time in God's word studying systematically. So that means that as your pastor, I'm going to keep exhorting you to, to, to sign up for discipleship training. Now, here's what I'm, I'm telling you right now. As your pastor, I want to see that you're hungry for the word of God. You know what we used to do? You should just order your Sunday school book hoping that you came. Okay. All right. Let me go over here. Let me sit down because this, this is my pastoral moment, okay? Y'all with me? We used to order your book hoping that you came, and a lot of times we were just wasting money because you never did come. Hello? Are y'all listening to me? Now, as your pastor, I told you, listen, as your pastor, we, we read it over in Hebrews, as your pastor, I'm not going to tell you anything that's going to, not intentionally, to hurt you. I'm going to tell you what God gave me to help you. Now, again, I know you've been trying to do this on your own. You've been trying to do it your own way for all this time. And you still, you still, you hear me right now, but you, you're like, I, as, uh, as, uh, um, uh, the blues singer, uh, which is my mother's nephew, Bobby Russ, says, got a song that says, I ain't studying that. <laughs> Do y'all know what I ain't studying that means? Yeah. That means that it's really short uh, uh, country colloquialism for I am not studying that. But he says, I'm not studying that. 
That means that I, I hear you, Pastor, but I'm not interested in that. I hear you, Pastor, but you know what? I got my own way of doing this thing because I think I'm a little bit smarter than you because I got a master's degree. I got a doctorate degree. Wouldn't that, how many of y'all know there's some educated fools out here in the world? And because you have a degree, I got one too. I got a degree, but degrees don't make you wise. So as your pastor... What I'm telling you is, is that discipleship training is crucially important to you being equipped to be able to, to do the work of ministry. So that when people come in, when you're around people, when you're in a church and, and, and some of this unsavory doctrinal stuff comes in, you'll be prepared to be able to say, hey, wait, 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 wait a minute. No, no. We studied this on last week in Bible study. In our last church where I studied, we dealt with this. And here's the scripture and verse. And here's why what you're saying is not true. I know it's what you feel, but it ain't truth. Okay, so as your pastor, I'm encouraging you to sign up for this next class. No, I can't make it. It ain't my job to make it. And you know why? You don't know why I won't try to make you because I'm free. I told you before, I learned a long time ago. Grown people will do what grown people want to do. And if you want to get close to God, you will. If you're really not interested, you won't. If you're really not interested, you'll sign up and then never finish. That's my pastoral emphasis this morning. Say, I, I love y'all. Ooh, that was real soft. I love you all. Uh, I love you all. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Because you should want to be connected with somebody who loves you enough to speak truth to you. Guys, I'm here to tell you. We're in spiritual warfare, and the enemy is coming after you. He's coming after your finances. He's coming after your marriage. He's coming after your children. He's coming after your job. He's coming after your health. And we need to be equipped and prepared for the coming battle. Those young ladies dance on that song, He's Never Lost a Battle. I thank God that he's undefeated. I can't say that about myself because I've lost some. You can't say that about yourself. You've lost some too, but he's never lost a battle. And as long as I stay in him, as long as I keep renewing my mind with the word of God, I can experience victory in this life. So they were ordained to judgment, to judgment. Let's look at this right quick. Watch, watch what Jude says here. He gives us three examples of God judging those who were apostates. Now, again, what did I tell you apostate is? Apostate is, is, is a person who turns away from God's truth and embraces false teaching. And many of us are teaching ourselves false doctrine. We're saying stuff that we feel, but it doesn't line up with Scripture. I'm here to tell you guys, we're going to be a Bible-teaching and a Bible-preaching church because I've discovered that the Word of God has the blueprint and the victory plan for, for my life. I don't know about you, but when I... It's amazing that when I do the word, I experience victory. And when I, when I find myself not focusing on the word and not doing the word, I experience defeat. The word of God is what Jesus Christ used in Matthew, the fourth chapter. Do y'all remember that? Matthew, the fourth chapter. I think it's Matthew 4. In the temptation in the wilderness. Every time the enemy came at him with some temptation, and it was a temptation, it was legitimate, because the Bible says he was tempted but he didn't fall. 
every time the enemy came at him with the temptation, what did he do? He says what? It is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The next temptation came, it is written. Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shall thou serve. It is what? Written. So now, if Jesus, God wrapped in human flesh, needed word to combat temptation, but you don't. You're so big and bad, you don't need no word. You just, you just kind of just, oh, just kind of fit it your way through it. Let me tell you something. You better get some word in front of your face and in your heart. The psalmist said, I think it was David wrote, said, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. It's going to take word to keep you from following your flesh. How many of y'all have some temptation that they're real strong? Help me, Jesus. How many of y'all have got some stuff that you deal with and every now and then, it, it, or not every now and then, it kind of it, it knocks you about? You find yourself falling more time than you do resisting and fighting. I'm talking to believers now. All of y'all in here are going to pretend like everything is okay and you don't do anything wrong. I'm not talking to you because you're still in self-deception. You, you're, 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 so, you're, you're so so prideful and full of yourself, you won't even admit that, that, that you have a struggle. And one of the first things I told you before and I told you again is that one of the first ways you get delivered from something is you got to, you got to uncover it and let God into that space. But if you pretend... You know, Brother Pastor, everything's going well. I told you before, quit looking at people from the external, and there's a lot of people that are hurting on the inside. Quit watching folks in their, in their social media posts because that's, that's fake a lot of times. I might say fake, it's, it's, it's all the good stuff. They don't, they don't come in and tell you the bad stuff unless they're just they really hurting. And they just got fooled. They get fooled. They just tell everybody. If you're fooled and you're tired of something, you'll tell anybody. But watch this. These guys had crept into the church and God through Jude is telling these saints that they're going to be judged. These people who are, who are apostates are going to be judged. And he gives three examples. Let's look at the first one. Children of Israel. Go to Numbers, the 14th chapter. Israel. I'll, Numbers, the 14th chapter. We'll, we'll begin our reading. Let's, let's start it. I need to, let's do this. We'll we'll go to, let's go to uh, chapter 11 first, and then we'll jump, okay? Chapter 11. I know I'm jumping, Brother Jay. Thank you, man. Brother Jason knows how to to follow me. And by the way, guys, we're recruiting some some service volunteers for our our multimedia ministry. That's That's a plug, shameless plug. If you got any kind of computer knowledge and sense, I mean, I mean, not sense, I mean, that didn't come out right, did it? If you have, if you have any uh, uh, ability to, to, to work with technology, uh, Brother Jay would love to train you to do what he's doing now because he, 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 he feels me. Okay? Now, he, he said, Pastor, give me time to get there, brother. Okay? Uh, Numbers 11, chapter verse number 1. Numbers 11, verse number 1. Because I'm going to get to the 14th chapter, but I need to show you that God's own people face judgment. I don't know where we get this mindset, well, if God loves me, then he doesn't, he doesn't discipline me. As a matter of fact, the Bible says the exact opposite. Whom the Lord loveth, 
he chastens. Okay? So if, you, if you're not getting whipped and you can sin uh, freely and, 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 and your conscience don't bother you, you better check and we'll see, we're not, we'll see whether or not you say. Or at the very best, you are in a reprobate state. But if you can sin and keep on sinning and know what the word of God says and it don't bother you, I'm going to question your salvation. Now, it's not, it's not, let me back up. It doesn't line up with what God's word says. Because really, it's not my job. God's, God's, the, God's the only one that can determine. Because some people who look like they're right, they're not right. Somebody, when we get to, the, when we get to heaven, somebody's going to be surprised that some people didn't make it. Because they were at church every Sunday. But their heart wasn't right. They were at church every Sunday, but they were doing it for self Glory, self-adoration. They want to be seen. They want people to call their name. And when their name they get called, they get a set. See, God is watching motives. Now watch this. Watch, look at this, guys. Soon the people began to complain about their hardship, and the Lord heard everything they said. Now remember, set the context, because the context helps us to get understanding. Remember the, the children of Israel, God's people, has spent 400-some plus years in slavery in Egypt. Because of their disobedience, because they would not hear God and they turned away from God, in order for God to get them to turn back to him, God allowed them consistently throughout the Old Testament, Old Covenant. You can go to the book of Judges. We said the whole book. Time and time again, God would deliver them from oppression. They would come out. They would do good for a while. Hold Praise Jehovah God. They do good for a while, then after things got easy for a while, they would turn their back on God and go a whoring after other gods. And it happened consistently. So here's one of those times where they were in Egypt because of their disobedience. But God delivered them. And they're on their way to the promised land. God told them, I got a land prepared for you. And when you go over there, it's yours. I've already given it to you. Just go in and take possession of it. Now, again, he said go over and take possession of it, but they got to fight for it. How many of y'all know God can promise you something, but you still got to fight? I need some more money. You need a job? Let's go get a job. All right? Or, or, Or form your own business. But quit praying for financial blessing. You ain't doing anything. Can I help somebody? You've been praying, and, and, and listen, I, I, I'm saying this in, out of love. You, you, you're sitting there, and you've been struggling for 10 years, but you hadn't done anything differently. If you look at your budget, come on, Yvonne, give, give me an amen. You look at your budget, and you and you $600 in the hole. Guess what, baby? You got you to plug that hole by either raising your revenue are cutting your expenses. It don't get better by you saying, oh, Lord Jesus, please, Jesus, please, Jesus. Lord Jesus. <laughs> Faith without works is what? <laughs> it is. It is. It doesn't amount to anything. Now watch this, guys. Watch it. Let's get back. Some people begin to complain about the hardship and the Lord heard everything they said. Now, again, God said Moses the deliverer came and delivered them out of bondage in Egypt. They're on their way to the promised land. 
and they start to complain. I said they start to complain. Although the children of Israel were delivered from Egypt, they refused to trust God and enter the promised land. They saw God do all those miracles, guys, but they still couldn't find a way to trust him. Text says this. Next verse says, uh, then the people screamed to Moses for help. And when he prayed to the Lord, the fire stopped. So let's, let's back up. Let's back up. I'll tell you what, if you, yeah, let's keep moving. We'll we keep moving. Let's keep moving. Verse number three. Let's go to verse three. Text says this. After that, the area was known as Tabarah, which means the place of burning because the fire from the Lord had burned among them there. Now, if you, I'm skipping ahead because, as a matter of fact, go to the end of that 10th chapter, which flows into chapter number 11, and let's see what, we'll see what happens. Those last three or four verses there in the 10th chapter. Let's go there right quick. Let me get there. Thank you, Brother Jay. All right, are y'all still with me? It says, as they moved on each day, the cloud of the Lord hovered over them. Pillow cloud by day, blocked the sun. Cloud of fire by night to give them illumination to know which way to go. All right, God was protecting them all along. So don't watch this, the next verse, three. It says, and whenever the ark set out, Moses would shout, arise, O Lord, and let your enemies be scattered. Let them flee before you. Next verse. And when the ark was set down, he would say, return, O Lord, to the countless thousands of Israel. Next verse says what? Are we there? That's it? Because soon the people, soon the people began to complain about their hardship. And the Lord heard everything they said. They complained. Then the Lord's anger blazed against them, and he sent a fire to rage among them, and he destroyed some of the people in the outskirts of the camp. They were complaining. Now, guys, listen to me. The Israelites complained, and then you'll see here, uh, in verse 2 and 3, watch Moses start to complain. Moses was leading. Then the people screamed to Moses for help, and he prayed to the Lord. And when he prayed to the Lord, the fire stopped. Verse 3 says what? After that, the air was known as Tabarah, which means the place of burning, because fire from the Lord had burned among them. They were complaining about, you know, that situation. Go to, go to chapter number 12, right? Chapter 12, verse number 1. Keep moving. Chapter 12, verse number 1 says this. While they were at Hazaroth, Miriam and Aaron criticized Moses because he had married a Cushite woman. KJV, KJV says, and, and Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses because, he, because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. The KJV, I like the way the words, it, it talks about the issue and then he repeats it again. And so some people, some commentators say, well, that wasn't the real issue, but I think it was part of the real issue. They didn't like the fact that he married this Ethiopian woman, this Cushite woman, this woman of African descent. They had a problem with it. And so now watch what happens here. Verse number two says what? They said, has the Lord spoken only through Moses? Has the Lord only spoken through Doyle Adams, our pastor? Well, obviously not. But again, if you're up on the pastoral leadership and that pastoral leadership is leading you in the things of God, then I told you in Hebrews 11 chapter, it says, obey those who have the root and authority over you for they watch for your souls, right? as they must give an account, any pastoral leadership has to give an account for how they minister and share the word of God with you. I've told you before, I will not get to the beam of justice in Christ and have God dress me down because I didn't tell you the truth. I'm not going to do that, okay? I'd rather tell you the truth and you get mad at me than to not tell you the truth because I'm afraid you'll get mad at me and leave. 
I'm not gonna do that, okay? I love y'all, and, and I learned a long time ago not if you're gonna be a, if you if you're gonna get ready to fight in a battle, you can't wear your feelings on your shoulder. Hello, Christians. Some of y'all are too sensitive, and you gotta you gotta let the Lord help you with that. Because when you're in spiritual warfare, the enemy will, will come at you with both barrels loaded, and he doesn't fight fair. He'll use your mama, he'll use your children. He'll use your, your, your supervisor at work. He'll use whoever he can use to get next to you. Yeah. Are y'all with me? Let's keep reading. Watch this. It says this. Uh, has the Lord spoken through Moses? Hasn't he spoken through us too? But the Lord heard him. Now Moses was very humble, more humble than any person on earth. And the text says this. So immediately the Lord called to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam and said, go out to the tabernacle, all three of you. So the three of them went to the tabernacle. Watch what happens. Then the Lord descending in the pillar of cloud and stood at the entrance of the tabernacle. Aaron and Miriam, he called, and they stepped forward. Now. now, again, they just criticized Moses because of what? He married this Ethiopian woman. They were complaining and said, you ain't the only one that God talked to. Now, watch what God says to them. Because you got to be careful when you come against God's prophet, God's man. Watch this. And the Lord said to them, now listen to what I say. If there were prophets among you, I, the Lord, would reveal myself in visions. I would speak to them in dreams. Watch this. But not with my servant Moses. You know, Moses was called the friend of God. And when you're a friend of God, God talked to you face to face. Watch this. But not with my servant Moses. Of all my house, he's the one I trust. And here y'all going to come against Moses. God steps into the middle of their complaining he says, I need an artist with you. Come here right quick. Come here, come here. How many of you ever got in trouble with your mom and dad before? Come here, come here. <laughs> Any of y'all remember those times? Yeah. If they love you, they call you. Come on, we're going to have a come. And let me say this right quick. When you discipline your children, learn how to have a conversation with them so, you, so, so they can make sure they know what they did wrong. Yeah. Some of y'all just go buck wild. <laughs> Talk to them and teach them. Look at what God is doing here. Watch this. He says, now listen, I'll, the other prophets, I speak to them in visions and dreams, but not Moses. Not when I serve Moses. Of all my house, he's the one I trust. Watch what he says here. Look at this. I speak to him what? Face to face, clearly, and not in riddles. He sees the Lord as he is. So watch what he says. So can I put it in dull term? How come y'all ain't scared of him? How can we are not afraid to criticize my servant Moses? What's wrong with you? I speak to him face to face. Are y'all with me? Look at this. Watch this. Watch this. The Lord was very angry with him, and he departed. And sometimes you think it's all over with, don't you? Mama talked to you, and she departed. But she went to the back, <laughs> broke off the switch, <laughs> pulled the leads off, and came back. Any of y'all ever experienced that? I went to the back, didn't say nothing. Went and got the belt. Watch this. The Lord was very angry with him, and he departed. Watch the text. As the cloud moved from above the tabernacle, there stood Miriam, her skin as white as snow from leprosy. When Aaron saw what had happened to her, watch this. He cried out to Moses, oh, my master. He called him my master. Please don't punish us for, for this sin. We have so foolishly committed. Watch this, guys. Come on, I got to go. Don't let her be like a stillborn baby already decayed at birth. Watch this. He says, so Moses cried to the Lord. Now, I told you Moses was a friend of God. 
And see, when you're a friend of God, when you got relationship with God, you can go to him and talk to him about some stuff. Now, Lord, you know, I know my child. I, I know they did wrong. And Lord, I know, I know that they're making some unwise choices and decisions. I know they stopped listening to me five years ago. They think I'm stupid. I don't know anything. But Lord, please protect them. Lord, they out there in the middle of doing some stuff that they know they do. But God, I'm your child, and, I, and I'm coming to you asking you, I want to intercede on behalf of my child. How many of y'all know some of y'all have been saved by your mama's prayers? You were out in the middle of some foolishness, and God covered you because your mama and your daddy were praying for you. So Moses cried to the Lord, oh God, I beg you, please heal her. These were the very ones who were criticizing. Now, some of y'all, some of y'all wouldn't have been as noble as Moses. Somebody criticized you because of who you married, criticized and complained about your leadership, and then this happened. Some of y'all are like, mm-hmm, that's good for you. <laughs> Moses was more noble. Watch what he said. So Moses cried out to the Lord, oh, God, I beg you, please heal her. Watch this, guys. But the Lord said to Moses, if, if, if her father had done nothing more than spit in her face, wouldn't she be defiled for seven days? So keep her outside the camp for seven days. And after that, she may, she may be accepted back. Because, you, you know, when you, whenever this happened, this, this, this disease, uh, uh, leprosy come, come upon them, you, you, have to be, you have to go outside the camp, okay? He says, so put her out for seven days, and, and she may come back. Now, he, here he is answering Moses' question. So, so Miriam was kept outside the camp for seven days, and the people waited until she was brought back before they traveled again. Go to the 14th chapter, verse number one. I'm just, I'm just walking through you. Walking here. I'm walking. I'm walking slow, too. <laughs> Judgment will come upon those who are in the church disrupting the flow of ministry and attacking sound biblical doctrine and teaching. These apostates, now these apostates, they they had turned away from God and began to embrace false teaching. So watch, watch, watch this. Again, he gives, Jude gives three examples. He gives the nation of Israel. He gives the fallen angels. And he gives the example of Sodom and Gomorrah. Then the whole community began weeping aloud, and they cried all night. Watch this. Their voices rose up in great chorus of protest against, here they go again, against Moses. They didn't learn the first time against Moses and Aaron. If only we had died in Egypt. Or even here in the wilderness, they, they what? Complain. <laughs> They constantly whined and complained. The Israelites complained, <laughs> and, 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 but, but God, Moses even had some complaints. If, if y'all remember if back in this passage, and I don't have time to go there right now, I, I paraphrase it for you. You can look it up when you get home. There was a point in time when Moses got so, so frustrated with all these people when they complained and they whining. He said, God, God, why are you dealing with me this way? He said, I, I'd rather just die. That's what Moses said. Moses Moses got to the point where he was basically suicidal. He said, Lord, just take me out of here. See, when you fool with people, let me back up, not fool with. (laughs) When you have to lead people, it can be more than a notion. You bucking for that supervisory position, you might want to stay on that front line right now because you're not ready to deal with people issues. And some folks aren't built for that. I mean, not, not that you don't have the capacity, but some people don't like dealing with issues. Now, whenever, you are, uh, whenever you're going to manage people, 
everybody's not going to do the things the way it should be done. Okay? So, so if you're going to manage people and you, and you wear your feet on your shoulder, they're going to talk about you behind your back. Oh, you didn't know they talked about you? <laughs> See, I've been passing 32 years, and I know some of y'all been talking to me, had me for dinner. Yes, <laughs> but it's okay, I still love you. I told y'all that if I'm doing it right, 15 to 20% of the time, you ought to be a little angry with me. Because I'm coming to your house. And you're going to think I'm messing with your business, but all I'm trying to do is help you with your business. And I would love for you to be mad at me and go investigate what I said and then make a life transformation and your marriage gets blessed, your finance gets blessed, your, your whole situation gets blessed because you got mad enough to go look in the scripture and see if what I was telling you was actually so. Then when you come back and, and we, we friends again? Yeah. How many of y'all, when your, when your parents disciplined you, you, you were mad at them and you, and you, you, you got your little knapsack and you go run away from home? <laughs> but then we, we, once you calm down and figure out you ain't got no money, no transportation, the clothes on your back belong to them, you kind of cool out and say, well, you know what, they did it because they love me. And now you look back 20 and 30 years, you say, you know what? I can see why my parents didn't, didn't let me go buck wild. They had a curfew for me. They talked to me when I messed up. And now I'm thankful for it today at the age of 45 that, I'm, I, that I've been divorced 15 times. Because mama taught me how to evaluate and discern whether a man is good or not. Okay? Watch this. I, I got Lord Jesus. Divorces rose in a great course of protest against Moses and Aaron. If only we had died in Egypt. Not even slavery, guys. Or even here in the wilderness, they, they complain. Watch this complaining, complaining. Stop complaining. Let me, let me say this right quick. Christians, church members, staff members, ministry leaders, stop your whining and complaining. If there's an issue, let's come and have a crucial conversation that we learned about in the emotional health relationship. But complaining spreads discord amongst the body of believers. Be man enough and woman enough to go sit down face to face and say, hey, Pastor, I I didn't didn't understand what was happening. And and maybe when you said that, it hurt my feelings. Well, I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. I'm sorry about that. I apologize if it hurt your feelings. But you know, what I said was really true. And maybe I said it the wrong way, so I apologize. Next time, I'll say it the right way. Okay, I'll give you my covenant agreement. But, But we can't have you fussing at the people who are serving under you. I tell our staff, I say, listen, I don't want to get one complaint about you not doing what somebody asked you to do and you don't do it with the right attitude. We get to serve. Hello? And if you can't do it with the right attitude, I'd much rather you sit on the sideline until you can get ready to serve with the right attitude because you're going to mess somebody up. Okay? Why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die in battle? God has already said it. I got a land of promise for you. I'm taking you to there. Every place that your foot treads upon, I've already given it to you. It's yours. Just go over there and fight. They weren't ready to fight. Because their mind was right. Their mind was still in Egypt. See, guys, let me tell you something. You can be, f- you can be free physically, and whom the sun sets free is free indeed. If you've been saved, then you've been delivered from the power of sin, but you're not delivered from the presence of sin. And you don't, sin doesn't have to have a hold on you. You got victory if you would just walk in it. 
So why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die in battle? Our wives and our little ones will be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? Listen to that. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back? He says, uh, next verse says, watch this, watch this. Then they plotted among themselves. <laughs> they get ready to have stage a coup, y'all. Let's choose a new leader and go back to Egypt. Ain't that a blip? God will deliver you out of 400 years of slavery, and now you want to go back because you ain't ready to fight. Next verse. Come on, let's go, let's go. Watch this. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down on the ground before the whole community of Israel. Community of Israel. Two of the men who had explored the land, Joshua son of Nun and Caleb son of Jephunneh, tore their clothing. That was a sign of, 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 of intense anger and disgust. Mourning. It says, they said to all the people of Israel, the land we traveled through and explored is a wonderful land. Watch this. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us safely to the land and give it to us. It is rich land. It's a rich land flowing with milk and honey. Watch what it says here, guys. Don't rebel against the Lord. Now, they were talking to Moses, the leadership, and Aaron them. But really what they were doing, they were, they were rebelling against the Lord. See, so when you rebel against your, your authority in your place of employment, in the church, it ain't really that person that you rebel against. It's God you rebel against. Because God's the one who established order. He's the one that established government. Hello? So now when you come to a church and you rebel against those who have, who have spiritual authority over you, then basically what you're doing, you rebel against God. Don't rebel against the Lord and don't be afraid of the people of the land. They are only helpless. Pray to us. They have no protection, but the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. Fear had crept into their hearts. And guys, if you're walking in fear, uh, you're not going to be ready to, f- to fight. You know, fear can come up, but I like what the Bible says. Be not afraid of sudden fear. Neither of the desolation of the wicked when it comes, for the Lord will be your confidence and he'll keep your feet from being taken. So whenever something sudden happens, yeah, your heart starts to beat real fast, doesn't it? You get a phone call from the doctor and they said, you you need to come in. We got to talk to you right away. Sudden fear. But you got to pull back. Cancer diagnosis. You got to have heart surgery. Whatever it may be, sudden fear comes in, but I got to brace myself and I got to go to the word of God and let the word chase out the fear. Because perfect love, it casts out fear. Can I get a witness? I got to finish. Don't be afraid of them. Look at that first. Watch this. But the whole community began to talk about stomp. Here they are. Joshua and Caleb were the two of the 12 spies who came back and said, it's like what God says, and we can take it. But what are they talking about doing? They want to kill them. They want to stone them for speaking God's word. Do you ever feel like stoning me? I hope not. <laughs> then the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to all the Israelites at the tabernacle. I got to finish this. Watch this. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people treat me with contempt? Will they never believe me? Will you never believe God enough to do what he says? How long are you going to keep trying to do it your way? Will you not just take God at his word? How long will these people treat me with contempt? Will they never believe me even after the, all the miraculous signs I've done among them? Watch what he says here. I will disown them and destroy them with the plague. Then I'll make you into a nation greater and mightier than they are. Now, here we go, Moses again. Watch this. Look at this, verse 13. 
But Moses objected. See, when you're a friend of God, you can, go, you can go to God on behalf of somebody else. Watch what he says. But Moses objected. What would the Egyptians think when they hear about it? He asked the Lord. They know full well the power you displayed in rescuing your people from Egypt. Everybody's talking about it. Everybody's talking about how you delivered them from Egypt. Now, if you destroy them, the Egyptians will send a report to the inhabitants of this land who, who have already heard that you live among your people. They know, Lord, they know, Lord, that you have appeared to your people face to face and that your pillar of cloud hovers over them. They know that you go before them in the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. Watch this. Now, if you slaughter all these people with a single blow, the nations that have heard of your fame will say this. Watch this. The Lord was not able to bring them into the land. He swore to get them, so he killed them in the wilderness. That's what folks are going to be saying. Please, Lord. Moses is a good leader. Because a good leader don't allow what you said about them to affect their leadership. A good leader know you've been talking about them and still pray for you. A good leader know that you got some issues, but they still will work with you. They don't cast you out. A good leader, a spiritually mature saint, doesn't throw people away when they got issues. Please, Lord, prove that your power is as great as you have claimed. For you said, watch this, the Lord is slow to anger and filled with unfailing love, forgiving every kind of sin and rebellion, but he does not excuse the guilty. He lays the sins of the parents upon their children. Mercy. Some of our children suffer because of our mess. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generations. In keeping with your magnificent, unfailing love, please pardon the sins of this people, just as you have forgiven them ever since they left Egypt. This ain't the first time. They've been complaining and whining the whole step of the way. And God was still bringing them along. Then the Lord said, I will pardon them as you, here we go, the friend of God. God changes his mind because Moses interceded for the people. Now, guys, the rest of the story is all those who were, I think, under the age of 40, 20, whatever, they, they, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. They didn't get a chance to go in, but their children did. All right? So, but God didn't, didn't, he didn't just wipe them out immediately like he was going to do. But their children got over there. And, of course, Joshua and Caleb got over there, too, because they believed God. If you're going to be prepared to fight, you got to start believing God. You got to start walking by faith. The Bible says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. The person that comes to God must believe that God is, and that He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Are you ready to fight? Israel was judged, the fallen angels were judged, Sodom and Gomorrah was judged. We'll look a little bit at Sodom and Gomorrah next week because they had some stuff going on. Y'all think stuff new? Ain't nothing new in the sun. If you go back and start reading scripture, some of the same stuff that was happening today was happening in Sodom and Gomorrah, and God judged it. Okay? Get ready to fight. Jesus died on Calvary's Hill to prepare each one of us for the fight. If we'll accept him into our heart, as Lord and Savior, and follow his word and his will, then we'll prepare ourselves to experience victory in this life. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you and praise you.